Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The Iron Throne may be no more, spoiler sweetie, but a year after the conclusion of the iconic HBO show, we're heading back to Westeros. The great pop culture debate wants to know, who is the best Game of Thrones character? Grab your Valyrian steel and prepare for winter, because trust me when I tell you, these brackets are dark and full of terrors, honey. <laughs> I'm your host, Eric Resniak, a Varys in the streets and a Podrick in the sheets. Joining me today are my panelists, modern day Queen of Thorns, Curtis Creekmore. Tell Melania, I want her to know it was me. The 14th person on Arya's hit list, Derek Makita. All I wanted to do was give her a hot pie. And he regretted bringing the potato salad to the ill-fated Stannis Baratheon family barbecue. (laughs) (laughs) By the old gods and the news, I will be avenged. (laughs) Well played, sir. Before we dive into the debate, let's go over how this works. We made a list of every featured character from Game of Thrones, from Ned Stark to Hot Pie. We had 75 people take the survey to pick their favorites. We did not differentiate between the show and the books. And the top 32 vote-getters were ranked by popularity, added to a bracket, and our panelists made their decisions. Now we argue about it and insult each other, all for your amusement. Want to follow along at home? You can find all of these brackets, including the one for this episode, at greatpopculturedebate.com. And as I alluded to in the beginning, there will be many, many spoilers discussed here. So if you don't want to know what happens in the show or in the books that are released up through early 2020, you should probably hop on your dragon and head back to Valeria now. In a first for the great pop culture debate, our panelists had total consensus on more than half of the round one battles. The unanimous victors for round one included number one seed Arya Stark, who brutally dispatched eight seed Peter Littlefinger Baelish, just as she did in the show. Number two seed Sandor the Hound Clegane, who made seven seed pirate queen Yara slash Asha Greyjoy walk the plank. One seed Tyrion Lannister, who committed patricide once again against crusty eight seed Tywin Lannister. Five seed Cersei. C. Lannister, who scored a minor upset by outmaneuvering beefy four-seed Tormund Giantsbane. 3C Podrick Payne put Direwolf Ghost out in the backyard, and I just want to point out that a dog somehow got a six-seed in this bracket, <laughs> which is insane to me, given the number of characters that didn't even make it. My wig is on fire. It is on fire! Wig? Is it a season one Daenerys wig? Is it that cheap? Oh, no. Well, maybe. I mean, that absolutely would have gone up in flames. 
Exactly. Uh, two seed Davos Seaworth's Anya Knight brought Catelyn Stark's stone heart to tears. Aww. Queen Sansa Stark, a one seed, again proved more long lasting than her hunky brother, eight seed Rob Stark. That bastard Jon Snow booted my imaginary boyfriend, Cal Drogo, right back to Vastal <laughs> Thrak. <laughs> One seed Brienne of Tarth's long reach again emasculated poor eight seed Theon Greyjoy. Four seed Varys and his spies outsmarted flame haired Ygritte. And two seed Elena Tyrell and her acid tongue read poor Oberyn Red Viper Martell to filth. So now we get to the debates. Three quarters of us had pint side powerhouse Liana Mormont advancing over four seed Gendry. Michael, you push for Gendry. Why? Well, we're going to start with the real basic. Oh my God, please. He's so freaking hot. Um, <laughs> no, the joke, uh, the guy that they play, had him play in the show, I just like hot to begin with. And when I actually sat down and did this, it's like, I, I kind of got the sense that most of you guys would end up going for Liana. And I, I recognize that that little pint size, you know, um, ruling over Bear Island like that is, is amazing. So I wanted to make sure that Gendry got at least a little bit of screen time here before we go. He's the at the end of the show again, we all know that he is li- literally the only living Baratheon left that could have a claim to the throne. He gets his redemption story, um, Warden of the, the South, getting Storm's End. Um, you, you miss him in the whole middle of the show, um, but I think that he just... As the one bastard that lives out of all of this and this story arc of him following Arya out of King's Landing to the wall, not quite, and back, the band, the Brotherhood Without Banners, there, there's just so much that happens to him that he definitely deserves a place for at least part of the conversation. And he's got to be the Westerosi rowing champion of whatever the hell year that is. He was rowing for like three years straight. Yes. Row, motherfucker. All right, Derek, talk about why you preferred Viana. I mean, where do I even begin? To quote Jonathan Van Ness, she's just totally ferocious. She is. <laughs> yeah, she's savage. She is completely wise beyond her years. She is clearly a fan favorite, which I suspect is why she, you know, is beating out Gendry in this bracket. But, you know, she's the leader of Bear Island. How could I not vote for her? <laughs> Curtis, did you want to have something to say there? That that was it. That she's the leader of Bear Island. <laughs> the bears have it. Yeah, I mean, I think that at Bear Week in P Town, there should be Liana Mormon out at 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 the pool at Bear Soup, like just standing up and reading everyone to filth. I, I personally, like, I'd pay someone to see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that said, does anyone else have anything else they want to say in favor of Gendry, or are we still sticking to our three to one votes? I know I'm the only one that likes him, so it's okay. Let's move on with Liana. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Gendry's out. Liana moves forward. We were even split on three seed Jamie Lannister versus six seed Marjorie Tyrell. On the one hand, Curtis, please speak on behalf of should have been contender Marjorie. On the other hand, oh wait, it's Jamie. There is no other hand. But I'll take that in a second. You first, Curtis. <laughs> Marjorie Tyrell is a gay icon. She was <laughs> yes. the perfect beard. She didn't care that her soon-to-be husband was a pole smoker. No, all she cared about was getting that crown, bitch. Even when she died, that was the gag of the season. Like, Cersei didn't win that. She was the one that went down. That was when the show was really good, and I miss those days. I think what really puts her over the top and why I chose her over Jamie Lannister 
was the way that the writers just absolutely butchered the massive amounts of character building that they had done over seven seasons in just one fell swoop. You cannot give a character a redemption arc like the one that they built out for Jamie only to go and pull the rug out from under the audience and then give him just complete degradation all the way back down to the basement. Marjorie was a beautiful, flawed, but fully realized character who was honestly lucky enough to die before Benioff and Weiss got to her. Oof. (laughs) Wow. That is a read. Um, So first of all, let me say I, I absolutely adore Marjorie and I she's in the book. She's still alive at this point. I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with her, but um, I think she's awesome. Everything you said about her is 100% true. She is life. I don't even think she has flaws. Honestly, I think she plays the game beautifully. She just gets taken out by something she never could have foreseen coming. And it, that's a, a huge bummer. Regarding Jamie, this is going to be one of those things where I'm going to be in the minority here, but I'm fine with it. Y- your point for kind of, dismissing or not even dismissing but it's more uh setting aside jamie's incredible character of development arc is that they abandon it at the at the ninth inning that's a thing right that's that's a a, a, a sports thing <laughs> sports ball sports ball good Aaron. yes you're good. good i did it i actually think it is so brave of a storyteller to not go with the expected ending and i think it is so intrinsically game of thrones to be you expect him to do the right thing and to stay with brienne and to live happily ever after but no he cannot stay away from that sister pussy he needs it he is whipped and he goes back to her i live like that is really bold storytelling and you don't see that anywhere else like the bad guy wins <laughs> again mm-hmm. and i love it uh, you would think in, in living in america in 2020 i would be over the bad guy winning but it was still thrilling at that time so to me jamie has this incredible arc and he goes from kicking children out of windows and banging his sister to redeeming himself and showing humanity and becoming a, a more stereotypical hero to then ending up, as you pointed out, in the basement, literally <laughs> dying with his sister lover because he cannot get he cannot quit her. Amazing. <laughs> and I to just jump in there. I think I agree with you a hundred percent, but I don't think it's as surprising as everybody really thinks it is in the end. You know, um, I've been rewatching the series again just to, for fun and in, in prep of this. But you know, in season three, where he basically rapes Siri in the sept while Jeffrey's dead body is sitting there. That is like just the key that says that he is never going to give up on Cersei. He are never going to lose that, that relationship that the two of them have, no matter how much he changes and everything else. Cersei is still the core of his being. They are twins. They came into this world together. They had to go out of the world together. I mean, who among us has not been turned on at a funeral with our dead son in the coffin next to us? And like, you just got to go for it, right? Absolutely. Total. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a poll. Uh, all those in favor of Jamie, say aye. That's me. Aye. Michael, aye. Okay. Anyone else? Y'all sticking with Marjorie? I got to stay with my girl. Sticking with her. All right. Well, by the rules of Westeros, <laughs> aka this podcast, <laughs> my pick rules. It, yeah. Well, welcome to the Game of Thrones, Hooker. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Jamie advances. <laughs> Uh, Three out of four of us lost our heads and our hearts to dumb, honorable Ned Stark. But Curtis, you wanted to hold the door for Hodor. Why? (laughs) For better or worse, Hodor is the reason that Bran became king. 
he did the one thing that he probably could and needed to do, which was to hold the door against what is the zombie apocalypse that is happening outside right now and saved the lives of both of his friends. The twist that we found out from that episode where, where Hodor got his name is hands down, I think one of the greatest storylines in this entire series. That was like, that was the spark and the magic that this show had and should have had through the finale that just kind of fizzled. You created this all-knowing character and brand and show him how fooling around with his power can have catastrophic results. Hodor gives us one of the only instances of male frontal nudity that I know of on a major television show. And he is, from what I can tell, hashtag blessed. Yeah. <laughs> Was Ned the impetus for a spike in doorstop sales? No. <laughs> Sean Bean can't stay alive long enough to have any lasting impact on any property that he's been oh. in. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, all right, I, I'm going to have Michael be your counterpoint there. Michael, talk about Ned. Okay, so Curtis, there's one thing that I have to say about your entire argument. That's Hodor. Okay, that joke just went over completely bad. Never mind. <laughs> I don't think I got it. That's bullshit. <laughs> okay, oh. anyhow. But if you want to talk about like an underpinning of a major plot point of the entire show – you can't move any farther than thinking about Ned Stark. Okay. He, he like his death and his actions in season one are what propels literally the next seven seasons that move along. If Ned Stark had never died, if Ned Stark had gone on and, you know, figured out something, you never would have had any of the other action that happens in the rest of it. He becomes such an underlying component of it. You can't say Winterfell. You can't say, Stark, you can't say any, a lot of other things that go on with the show without hearkening back to Ned and that, that foundation that he lays for so much that goes on. Curtis, you wanted to rebuttal? This is not RuPaul's best friends race. This is not which is the most important character. It is which is the best character. And that's like, I completely agree with you. Without Ned, you have no show. He was what, he was the linchpin. He was what held everything together, and then when he came out, everything blew up. But to me, I think the fact that we were able to see Hodor develop as a character, we got that story, he pushed it further, and brought us what should have been a really fucking cool part of the show with Bran coming into his third eye, or third, the three-eyed raven, that's what it was called, um, powers. I, I'm not backing down. But here's the thing. I, I don't think that Hodor did have any character development. Hodor had a story yeah. moment that, in which the whole character swung. But in the warm-up show, we were talking about how Rob Stark was a, a plot device, not a character. I would argue that that is true for both of these contestants. 100%. Both Hodor and Ned are plot devices, not characters. And as much as, as Curtis is arguing that if you didn't have Hodor and the whole door, hold the door moment, you wouldn't have any of the ending of the show, which is true. It's not even Ned dying in the first season. If you didn't have Ned decades before, right? Go and rescue his sister, raise John as his bastard son, like numerous other hugely important impacts to the story. None of it works. Like none of it works. He's the linchpin. He's one hundred percent the linchpin. Absolutely. 
I will argue with you that Ned is a one-dimensional character. And again, much like Rob, the straight, white, powerful man was never going to make it out of this story alive or have anything good happen to him. Good. But Ned has an actual character. Like, Ned impacts all of his children profoundly, including John. And it also, it make Sansa doesn't do what Ned tells her to do. And she pays for that for seven fucking seasons. Arya tries to do what Ned tells her to do. And she suffers for that for three or four. Rob does dies horribly. John tries, (laughs) does die, comes back from the dead. I can't talk about Brandon Ricken because like, I can't like literally, I can't. But for me, I, I, like I appreciate what you're saying. I if this was best Game of Thrones storylines, I would put Hodor in my top four because yeah. Hodor is a killer storyline as a character. There's nothing there. He's a big dude and he's lugging around poor Bran, but he and he saves him when he needed to. But that's about it for me. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna put it to a vote. All those in favor of Hodor. Aye. All those in favor of Ned Stark. Aye. I, I. It's three-eyed raven time. Okay, sorry, that was a bad joke. It was. Moving on in the battle between three seed Samuel Tarley and six seed Jorah Mormont, I am the sole person who wants to see Sir Jorah advance. Derek, what did you find so compelling about Sam? I think it's because he has a distinct upward arc in the show, and. You know, once he gets it in his mind that he wants to become a maester, he he doesn't let the protocol stand in his way. You know, he he's you know fiercely loyal to to you know the people who have supported him, but um, he's also incredibly resourceful on his own. And you know, I'll be quite frank, Frank um, Jorah would not be there were it not for Samuel Tarly. Explain that. I mean. Oh, you mean at the end? Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he saves his life. No, right, right, right. Okay. That makes sense. Yes. Um, I don't disagree with any of that, frankly. Um, I, I It's funny because when I was filling out this poll, I was like, ugh, Sam is a three seed. Are you kidding me? But it's here's the thing. I never like Sam in the show as much as I like Sam in the book. And mm-hmm. that is no fault of the actor. I think the actor does a good job. I just feel Sam in the book is conveyed better. His intelligence and his wit and his resourcefulness, which is a great way to put it, comes through much more cleanly in the books. In the show, he just kind of comes. It's like I'm expecting the honking bassoons of idiocy to be following him in all of his scenes, especially early on. It's true. But, but you know what? That's what makes him relatable. You know, he's, is that he's he's a character that does get shit on over and over again by his family, by the maesters, you know, but he in the end, he emerges as, you know, a, a key factor in saving everything. He does. And he is 100% hashtag relatable. I also, however, want to argue for Jorah. And by the way, I'm fine with him getting X'd out, but I want to argue for Jorah for a second. Talk about hashtag relatable. We have your friend zone international champion of whatever <laughs> years this is happening, Sir Jorah Mormont. Um, he's actually got a really cool story when you look at it from all of the kind of connections he has. He was, like, again, the, the prized son of a prized house who ended up getting kicked out because of slavery 
to impress his gold digger wife. He gets sent into um, exile. He ends up becoming uh, initially a traitor to Daenerys. He ends up completely following for her and and going all, all in, saving her life on numerous occasions, including leading to himself almost dying. And then if we didn't have him doing what he did, you wouldn't have his father, Jaor, at the wall running the Night's Watch. You wouldn't have Lyanna then running Bear Island and railing all those people. <laughs> he actually has these really cool ramifications for his story that at first you're not seeing. You're just like the sad good warrior who's in love with this woman who is never going to love him back, which is kind of a sad story. But he's kind of a pivotal character in ways that you don't see on the surface. That said, I understand why you're advancing, Sam. So I am fine. I will stick to my dissenting opinion, but the other the other three of you are going to stick with Sam. Yes. All right. It, it, you know, it was a it was a difficult decision when I was picking this particular bracket um, because two the two of them are fairly evenly weighted in my opinion. But I think that <laughs> well, maybe not that evenly weighted. Um, but, um, I think. I think just there's something about Sam's character, the way that it plays out in the show, that just it's it's more I don't know relevant, urgent, satisfying. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna ho- go ahead and advance Sam. Finally, three out of four of us advanced surprising six seed Daenerys Targaryen <laughs> over even more surprising three seed Bronn. Michael, why Bronn? Now I'm gonna go with you here and and admit that. I love Braun, but a third seed like shocked the hell out of me that he he made it so high. Um, I I think that in the end, it's um, Daenerys is to me very one note. Okay, you have the character development from her marrying Cal Drogo and her becoming Mother of Dragons, but when she becomes the Mother of Dragons, it's pretty much just like to me a one note all the way through until she gets to Westeros and then the dramatic season eight spiral to madness that happened is the next time you see any true character development from my perspective. And I know I'm going to get shouted down in a minute about saying that Braun, on the other hand, I think there's, there's a lot that changes over the course of the series with him. Um, I just like him, his attitude, his, the way he interacts with um, Tyrion and everything that he becomes more human and more human. And there's a lot more change that I see in him over the course of it. And I just liked him better when this is all said and done. I'm going to be very comfortable with moving Daenerys along, but I had to, I think Prawn to me was the better option. All right, Curtis, why don't you talk about, why don't you take a knee for Danny? Daenerys Targaryen, number sixth in voting. I could not believe it. I- well, guess what, Curtis? They did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all the straight people don't understand that. Okay. I think, <laughs> I think we can all agree that the end of the series was blood boilingly bad for a couple different reasons. And for me, a large part of that is the way that the writers treated Danny's character. I've understood that Eric disagrees and really likes the way that it went, but he's wrong. Yes. But I'm weighing all of the stellar character development. I really do think that they did a good job of developing that character and the solid acting that we got from Amelia Clark in the first seven seasons against that last one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she deserved to be higher than a six seed. Her journey from battered sister to a burgeoning leader to the queen in her own right was 
just, I, I thought it was an amazing story to watch unfold and you couldn't help but root for her because she was what everyone deserved. She was what everyone wanted. And sure, she was old blood that had already been removed from power, but she was able to prove through the years that she was a strong leader who deserved to rule over her people. God damn it, Hillary Clinton should be president. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. That's the wrong drama. It's not, though. It's actually very much the same drama. But uh, I think we will get into this in, in later rounds. But she was what everybody assumed was going to be the good guy and the hero at the end. And so I think if we did this poll at the end of season seven, Daenerys would have been a one seed. Yeah. 100%. And I think if we did this poll at the end of season seven, Cersei probably would have been maybe a two seed. Mm-hmm. And again, we're going to get to that later in in the final episode, but uh, I don't want to go too much into it because I'm going to put on my gloves and go fierce for Danny in round two. But I, I think what we are seeing in this poll with the seeds is a lot of bias from people who are... It, the high seeds went to people whose journeys ended the way people wanted slash expected them to. Mm. And if something unexpected happened and it wasn't the way that they figured out was going to end that way, then people got pissed off and then suddenly they're quote, not a good character or the showrunners ruined them. And um, I think that's really entitled bullshit. And I will go on record saying that and you can come for me, but you better be ready for when you find me. So we are going to advance Daenerys. I will say uh, on Michael's points with Bronn, Bronn is a super entertaining character on that show and he comes out of nowhere. Like Bronn was not someone who, again, who existed in the books, but God bless him. He really lightens up like those middle seasons quite a bit. And he's got great relationships, not just with Tyrion, although his relationship with Tyrion is great. Right. His relationship with Jamie is great. I think he even has some really solid moments with some other lead characters characters he's he's a really fun kind of almost the viewer perspective in all of it but a three seed for him is far too high first of all and him advancing over daenerys you've got to be mm-hmm. fucking kidding mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. he looks like the leather-skinned daddy and every porn ever made <laughs> <laughs> i mean you're kind of enticing me to flip my vote there, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> um, so we are advancing Daenerys to round two. And that, folks, brings us to our Sweet 16. As a memo to George R.R. R. Martin, do you see how efficient things can be done when you don't spend hours and hours describing imaginary food in excruciating detail? <laughs> do you all agree with our round one picks? Do you think we pulled an Aeris Targaryen and gone full-on crazy pants? Let us know by joining the conversation at greatpopculturedebate.com then come back later this week for part two when Arya, Tyrion, Sansa, Cersei and the other Thrones Titans enter the fray and speaking of fray don't be late like Walter we'll see you then 